Do you ever need to send money internationally? As an entrepreneur with businesses in Aruba and in Europe, the need for a convenient and inexpensive way to send money around the globe is a constant in my life. For these transactions, I trust TransferWise to give me the best rate every single time. While there may be many other ways to get your money from A to B, those transfers will cost you a lot more than they should. And it's the old way. TransferWise uses clever new technology that gives you a great exchange rate at a low fee. You can trust that they never ever mark up the exchange rate. The founders of TransferWise, Tavit and Christo, were just like you and me, just normal people frustrated by their bank's bad exchange rates and high fees from international transfers. They wondered, what if there's a way to bypass the banks entirely? So they built TransferWise. That was a whole seven years ago. And today, more than 2 million people use TransferWise every day. There's people out there sending money back home, businesses paying their suppliers, freelancers getting paid. The more customers they have, the more their already low fees can drop even further. So put some money in your pocket for the more important things in life, because no one ever said it's important that my bank gets some extra money. Test it out for free at transferwise.com slash podcast or download the app. Once again, that's transferwise.com slash podcast. Transferwise, the wise way to send money. Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. I am talking to you right now from my kitchen table at home. Uh, in my hands, I have an organite, uh, which is, if you don't know what that is, it's a a sort of crystal pyramid. It's it's actually quite unbelievable. Someone just sent me this in the mail. I opened it five seconds ago. Uh, it, it's it's like a resin pyramid that contains crystals and herbs, and mine has a, a little new moon and glitter, and it's it's so amazing. I just I can't stop staring at it. Um, anyway, <laughs> I'm so blown away by this organite. I don't even know. Uh, I don't. I lost my ability to speak a little bit. Um, what an organite does, it just, it completely can change the energy of a room. Uh, I, I'm not a specialist here, but maybe I'll do a whole episode on crystals and on organites. That would be amazing. Uh, but this sweet girl, Jantine, I think her name was, that sent me this. Thank you so much. This is, this is so beautiful and very timely because so <laughs> right now it's Tuesday, as I speak these words, it's Project Alone Time Day 6, which is the final day. Uh, and I've had a, a absolutely amazing, ama- amazing day and amazing time throughout this past week with so many epiphanies and so much learning. And I, I can't wait to share all of it with you. But just now when I came, I came home, I've had a really kind of intense day and I uh, just had a big work meeting. So I was in a very different space this morning. I was crying because I was having so many realizations about myself, about motherhood, about life. I was literally just in tears and in awe of all of life. And then uh, I, I kind of stayed at the studio and I was pulled into some work stuff. And then I did a, this big work meeting and then I came back and I wanted to really record this podcast from that vulnerable emotional space of all my epiphanies. And then I was like, oh, but not, I'm not in that space anymore. Like now I feel like all high and electric and, you know, re- re- ready for my day kind of. Uh, and then just randomly I opened this package and I'm now holding this crystal pyramid thing in my hand. And I immediately, like I feel like I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to cry right now. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Now I'm crying. It just completely helped bring me back to that energy that I had this morning or to that vibration of, of just feeling in absolute awe. I'm in awe. I'm in awe of of so many things. Where where to begin? Where to begin? So, if you heard last week's episode, if you didn't, I suggest you go listen to it because it kind of gives a little context uh, as into what I'm going to talk about right now. Uh, but I kicked off Project Alone Time, uh, which is six days. I thought first it was four days because Dennis sort of tricked me. <laughs> he was like, it's just four days on your own at home in Aruba. And then I realized, oh wait, my travel day, that's five days, that's five whole days. But then today, today's the day that they arrive and they arrive at 4.20 p.m. So it's a whole day. So yeah, it's day six of Project Alone Time. So it's almost an entire week that I have been alone in Aruba in my home without my husband and without my baby. And not just that, without anything to do. And that's also a really big and and quite important component to all of this because, yes, I have left my baby and my husband before for very brief moments of time, never for this long, uh, but it's always been under this disguise of doing something very important. 
Like I have to go teach a class because I, I have to run the business. I have to take a meeting. I have to do this and this and this and this. Uh, it's been, you know, it, there's been a lot of doing involved all the time. Uh, and now Project Alone Time, it came as kind of a result of me not feeling well being on the road for a long time and traveling around around Europe. And I just kind of, it was almost forced by my husband to go take some time off because I just haven't been feeling well. So this time around, I've had nothing to do. And of course, I, I orchestrated it that way. I, I, you can always find things to do, you know, if, if you must or if you want to. Um, but I really, I just, I put all meetings on pause. I have not been in my inbox. Okay, maybe for a second, like yesterday. <laughs> um, but pretty much throughout this, these whole six days, I haven't been working. Uh, I haven't been I haven't been busy. I haven't woken up in the morning with this, you know, big to-do list of things that I know I have to get done. I've just really been able to put everything aside. And then, of course, I haven't been with my husband, which is, we're never apart. Uh, And I haven't been with the baby, which is, you know, even even wilder somehow, it it seems. And all alone. (laughs) All alone. And I, I realized right away, so... I was so panicked about doing this. I was really fearful. Uh, the thought of me alone by myself, with myself, was really terrifying. Uh, and now I can't even really connect to that feeling so well because <laughs> I'm in such a different place now. I feel so amazing right now. And I can't even really remember, like, why was I so scared to be by myself? But that's one of those things that kind of slowly creeps up. If you haven't been alone or if you're not used to being alone, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that, that goes on inside of us that we don't spend a whole lot of time dealing with if we're always busy all the time, if we're never alone, if we're always doing things, going places, and we never give ourselves that space to just be, right? So I think I was terrified, okay, what sort of emotion am I sitting with here? Uh, and maybe, you know, I, I've been so busy, you know, stressing and worrying and uh, all these things, you know, being a mother is... Uh, it's a trip. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, it really is. It's, it's, it's a trip. It's just, uh, and, and people told me that, oh, it's going to be so hard and it's very overwhelming and you're not going to sleep and you're going to be so busy and you'll never sit down again. All those things may be true, but that's not what's taxing for me. I mean, it's, it's hard sometimes, but what's really draining or what's really exhausting is the fear right? It's the amount of love I feel for this tiny little human being who's like on a daily fucking suicide mission. Like if I didn't, you know, keep track of her, like she would jump off bridges and put her fingers in the electrical socket and like throw herself herself into the road and like, you know, eat all the dog food. I mean, she she would just go crazy. Like it's it's very emotionally draining to love a tiny little crazy person this much Uh, because I'm always worried something's going to happen to her and I'm always like you know my eyes are on her all the time Uh, and especially now that she's a toddler because she runs around she's super fast she's never in one place it's sort of become this thing where not only is my heart kind of living outside of my body and I'm I love her so much I you know it's, it's it's overwhelming and insane but also you know, my energy and my focus is always in a thousand different places because, you know, I got to keep up with her. And this is just what, you know, what toddlerhood is, is like, like every toddler is like this and every parent goes through this phase of just absolute madness. But what it's done even more so is it's completely brought all of my focus and all of my attention away from myself, which I know is normal. Um, there's gonna be a lot of mothers listening to this like yeah what else is new like this is what motherhood is you know of of course that's that's what it is and that's what it's supposed to be and all of that Um, but this big realization for me now this not being alone and not giving myself the space and the time uh, to really truly take care of myself on a level that's much deeper than you know taking a yoga class a couple times a week or um, go getting a massage or you know like little things that I still do um when my mind is constantly absorbed with all this doing and all of this worry and all of also all of this love there's so much going on i can never really drop into that place of of connecting back to me so i haven't i mean i really i really haven't <laughs> And when I arrived now, you know, I, I shared that the last last week's podcast I recorded the same day I arrived in Aruba and I started off really rocky. I was crying. I was terrified. It felt absolutely awful, horrible. And then I had this sort of shift, this total shift on the plane coming here. And then when I landed, I started feeling really good. 
And my first days here, it, it, it actually, it was sort of like a little part of myself had been waiting for these for this moment to, to, to really to happen. It was like, there's like a little Rachel inside of me that was just like, oh, like, can you see me now? Like, please see me, please. You know, like, like the, the, my inner child, maybe like there's a little baby version of me inside that's also looking for attention and for love and for care. And, and I've just totally been ignoring that, that part of myself now for, for a long time. So when I, when I, you know, got to land here, the first thing I did, I mean, <laughs> every day here over these past couple of days, I have woken up really early in the morning. I mean, just by myself, of course, I'm a little jet lagged, so that helps. Um, but I've been up around five every day just so I can sit and see the sunrise and something like that. And this has been a, a kind of, I, I don't know why I don't do this more, but I absolutely you know, have the possibility to do that when I'm with the baby. Like, I mean, nothing is stopping me from setting the alarm two hours earlier and getting up, watching the sunrise in the morning, um, except <laughs> for the fact that there's no time in my day for, for anything. So I squeeze everything in at the end of the day when she's sleeping after seven or eight o'clock. And then, you know, there's not a whole lot of hours left in that little space where I want to do everything. And maybe it's work stuff. I want to connect with my husband. Maybe I want to, you know, try to do something for myself and get on my yoga mat. I want to, you know, watch a movie, drink a glass of wine, whatever. I try to squeeze everything that's, you know, supposedly for me in that little time after she sleeps. Um, except I'm not really doing that in a, in a genuine way. Like it's very, very true. I'm not really doing that in a genuine way. Maybe, you know, Watching a movie with my husband on the couch once in a while is great, but kind of mindlessly zombieing out in front of some whatever Netflix show that I don't really care about, maybe that's not exactly what my heart, my body, my soul really craves in that moment. But at the end of the day, you know, sometimes that's all I have energy for. I mean, really, like, like I can be so tired at the end of the day, the thought of <laughs> like eating dinner, sitting at a table, like that's just too much. Like I need just to collapse on a couch. And I know also that in, in our society and the way we all live, like we all, we're all this busy. I mean, we're all, everybody feels overwhelmed. No, we, no one has enough time in a day. We always feel like there's more things that should get done. We should be able to accomplish more. We should, you know, get better at everything and we should feel fit, be fulfilled and we should take care of our bodies and our careers and our family and our relationship. And it's just like this never ending list of things that we should do better and there's never enough time for it all. But then also in a day, you know, I do fill my time with things like that just because I don't have the energy sometimes for, for other things. And now what's been really different is, you know, of course, this has been, you know, a major luxury and something that I wouldn't be able to normally do. But I have had, you know, the energy to wake up at that time every single day. And also realizing that waking up at that time has actually given me a whole lot more energy um, to sustain like a full day. And yes, it's a day without baby and it's a day without husband and a day without work, but my inner energy feels completely, completely different. And what I'm trying to figure out is how can I translate this into my real life? Because of course, these six days, this has not been real life. <laughs> I mean, it just hasn't. I've been up at five every morning. I've watched the sunrise. I have given myself the space, the permission to be on my yoga mat for as long as I want to. But also without any sort of, like I had one morning where I was like, I don't know, 30 or 40 minutes in, I was like, I feel done now. And then, you know, my mind is like, what, but you have time. Why You should like take advantage of this, do more yoga. Like, no, like I felt done and then I was done. I went and I lounged by the pool <laughs> for the whole day. I mean, really, I've been trying to so truly listen to that inner voice that speaks to me all the time, but that I'm always really fast to shut up, to kind of push aside and to not listen to. And that means getting rid of the structure or this idea of, you know, life when I take care of myself should be, or it should look in this very specific way. Like yoga should be this, like I should do yoga for two hours every day now, now that I have the chance. Maybe all I need to do is just listen to what I need every single day and go with that. And maybe some days, yeah, that's Netflix with my husband on the couch. Maybe some days it's going to bed really early so I can get up at five and really feel energized to watch the sunrise because that gives me energy for the whole day. So it's not so much about, you know, installing a brand new routine or changing everything, uh, you know, because when my baby and my husband come, comes back, it's not about that. It's more about listening to what do I actually need. And that mere thought of, of you know, 
asking that question, what do I need? <laughs> I never do that. <laughs> I mean, I never, ever, ever do that. I mean, really, like I have like a hierarchy of, of people's needs around me. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm at the bottom of that list, but uh, yeah, baby is the top. Like what, what does Lea Luna need? You know, that's, that goes far and above and beyond everything else. You know, what does Dennis need to be happy? What does my business need? What do my employees need? What does my family need? Does my mom need something? My sisters, my siblings, the dogs, what do they need? The goats, what do they need? You know, I have this kind of checklist of, of people and animals in my life that I care super deeply of and that I'm always always wondering how they're doing and I'm always wanting them to be okay and to feel well. And of course, my friends are, are, are really, really high up there too. Uh, and I can sometimes really take the time to sit down. Okay, well, hmm, okay, I have a friend who's going through a rough time right now and I'll sit down maybe with Dennis, maybe alone. Like, oh, I really want to do something for her. She's having such a hard time. Like, how can I be of service there? You know, can I do something more than just like FaceTime and try to be there? Should we send something? Can I like, you know, get her like a pass to get take a class somewhere like therapy? How can I support her? Like, I really will sit down and think about that. And of course, with the baby, I do that every moment of every day. Like, how can I improve her well-being and make sure that she's a thousand percent cared for? But when it comes to myself, like I, I, I don't do that. I, I deprioritize myself every single day, thinking that I have to take care of everybody else or everything else, like business or work and, and those kind of, kinds of things as well. And then at the end of the day, you know, if there's like, if I randomly happen to find myself with an abundance of time, like all of a sudden I have time and I didn't expect to have time, that's also, then I, I don't do that as well. Like that's not the time where I sit down like, okay, let's focus on me. You know, then I immediately fill that time with, okay, wait, what else can I get done? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of an insane way to live, but I know it's the way many of us live, especially working moms. I mean, stay at home moms, it's a forking like double twice, you know, full-time job. It's crazy. So when we do this long enough, it kind of becomes this conditioned thing where we stop prioritizing ourselves, or maybe we were raised to never do it in the first place I don't know I mean there's there's um, you know I, I at least feel like I had more of this before the baby was born where I would like sit down like okay wait I'm going through something now how can I give myself a little more space or you know I would, I would at least have the conversation a little bit more before having the baby but since having the baby it's like I'm not even on that list <laughs> which of course is totally nuts I mean totally totally crazy you cannot give from an empty cup the first person that I should really focus on taking care of should be me. I mean, that's kind of crazy to say, like, yeah, it should be the baby, but actually it should be me. <laughs> and that means more than a 60-minute yoga class here and there because even in those classes, you know, I'll have those really rare moments where I feel completely at peace and calm. Um, but a lot of times, you know, it's, it's too brief. It's so short and it's over so quickly and I'm out the door of the studio and I, you know, I kind of like, it's like namaste and I'm out <laughs> and then I'm back into the doing and the going and the stress and the rushing and, and all of these things. And I've really, really, really had some major realizations about myself over this week and I haven't been trying either and that's the that's the crazy thing I haven't been doing all this self-inquiry or you know like reading spiritual books no I have read chick lit you know like Marianne Keys I read two Marianne Keys books amazing uh a Carlos Rizafon book that I always read um Shadow of the Wind it's it's so good um like I read like just books for pleasure because you know I also have this part of myself like my mind tells me like oh if I'm going to read I should read to study right I should get better and grow as a teacher I should do this and that no like I should read because I want to forking read something so that's what I've been doing really going with that um, and just relaxing like literally just relaxing so after my sunrise and then my yoga and then uh, I have some homework that I do with uh, with uh, Laura who's uh, who's one of my teachers and also Jonas who is uh, my naprapath who I work with sometimes and I've done that stuff like really healing stuff that I know is really good for me that isn't part of my conventional yoga practice I've even made space for that and then I've been kind of sat down and I'm mm, what do I want to do now hmm, oh coffee that would be nice and then I go make a coffee and then I sit outside and I don't just chug the coffee while I'm doing something. Like I'll sit down, really prepare this beautiful coffee, like maybe with a book or maybe just with nothing, just looking out at the cacti in the desert here where I live and just holding the coffee in my hands, like inhaling it, smelling it, embracing it, really enjoying my coffee. And then, you know, 
every single sip has been super special because I gave myself the time to like enjoy a cup of coffee. It's been, I mean, maybe this sounds silly to some of you, but it's been marvelous. Like the coffee that I've had and it's the same old espresso machine that I mean like I've been enjoying all year here it was a Christmas gift from Dennis I I mean it's never made coffee that's this good (laughs) and I'm not even that good I'm not even you know that great at at making at making coffee it's it's the best coffee like I've ever had and then you know I'll do something else and I'll pick up like a crystal or maybe I'll roll my yoga mat out again or like pick up the phone and do something or talk to a friend. Like I've just been really floating around and I get hungry and I open the fridge. And I'm like, hmm, what feels good? And, you know, I haven't been worried about making proper meals or, you know, eating specific things, just like totally nourishing myself with whole foods that have felt good in that moment. Like I've been very intuitive with my body throughout this whole week. And I think going with that intuition, if you're not used to doing that or if you've been deconditioned to do that because I've had years of my life where I've been really good at those things Uh, and I also find that I I, I tend to ride on the vibration of the place I'm in Uh, so for instance whenever I go to Costa Rica like I lived in Costa Rica for two and a half years those years were very much like that for me Um, just living in the jungle where you're so in tune with nature and swimming in waterfalls like there's something about being with nature in a way that I think Costa Rica is really rare Uh, in in, in being able to provide such a sacred space like that. Um, It's been easier to just really intuitively eat, intuitively move, intuitively make decisions, intuitively connect with other people. But then we start to decondition ourselves of that, you know, because life, like Jesus, like life is hectic, it's busy, we have so much to do in a day um, that, you know, little by little, I've stopped listening to that voice. And then I start working on kind of autopilot, you know, like, whatever, like I'll grab whatever in the fridge, like is there. I'm not like listening. Okay. So I'm hungry right now. What am I hungry for? Am I hungry? Am I just thirsty? Like sometimes I eat, but I'm actually really thirsty. I want to hydrate. Like I have a sweet tooth. I'll get this massive sugar craving sometimes. Like it'll hit me like a, (laughs) like a brick on the head. Like, oh my God, I need something with sugar right now, or I'm going to (laughs) die. There's something behind that. But when I'm in that space of just working too hard and not giving myself that space to sit and listen where there's not enough calm in my life for that Uh, that space between the initial urge and me reacting it's very very small but when I give myself that calm and that space and I'm listening to my intuition and intuitively moving that space between the urge and the action it's much bigger it's much wider so I'll get like a craving for something uh, like 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 this week I'll get like I haven't had any sugar I decided I'm not gonna have any sugar or any alcohol no wine no wine for me for a whole week. No, I'm kidding. But um, yeah, no, no wine and no sugar. And sugar is by far like my, my, my hardest thing. Uh, and it was not even hard. I mean, I, I swear to God, like I haven't had zero processed sugar of any kind, nothing, 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 like not even like, um, you know, like a, like we sell little bliss balls at the cafe, like dates and stuff like that. Like I've just stayed away from sugar, just fruits, um, but, but not even a whole lot of that. Um, and it's been so easy. Like it's really been so easy. And I had one moment where I had this massive craving for something. And my first urge was to just sit down and close my eyes. <laughs> I mean, that was like, that was my first urge. Like, oh my God, I really want like, oh, something sweet right now. Like a Swedish fika would be amazing. Fika is this very Swedish, amazing thing where we just eat buns all day, basically. Um, and I sat down and I realized like, oh, you know, and of course that was the day where in the morning I had FaceTime with a baby and she started crying, bawling her eyes out, saying, mama, 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 reaching for the phone, you know, and then we had to hang up while she was crying. And then I cried just a little bit in the morning and then I kind of went about my day and I shrugged it off. But that, you know, sadness of missing her was still there. Like it was totally still there, but I didn't really express all of it. And then later in the day that manifested as this like, oh, I need to cover this emotion up with something. Like I need to escape a little bit. Like give me some sugar. Give me like, you know, those are the moments where we go to our escape route. Like what can I do here to not feel or to not have to sit with this emotion that's inside of me right now because it's uncomfortable. And for some people, yeah, that's alcohol, it could be a cigarette, sugar, it's food of any kinds, maybe it's sex, maybe it's gossip, maybe it's Netflix. You know, there's a thousand different ways to escape ourselves. And, you know, some of us, we have like a hundred of those moments a day. <laughs> and that's how we start building, you know, maybe unnecessary, unhealthy patterns. Like, you know, maybe we feel like the urge that we 
we have to gossip all the time. We have to bring drama and something to excite us and distract us in life all the time. Or I have to have, you know, something sweet all the time. And then you start developing this total sugar addiction, which, you know, I'm super guilty of, of floating in and out of. So right now, this realization of, okay, like all of those, my little escape route of sugar, it's, of course, every time tied to something really specific. But the less I listen, the harder it's going to be. Because fighting a craving like that when I'm not listening, when I'm just going, 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 pushing, 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 it's impossible. I mean, it's absolutely impossible. And I haven't even been in a space where I've wanted to fight that. I'm just like, you know, like in Europe just now, we've had a really unhealthy 10 weeks. Um, yeah, where I've had like, a, I mean, easily like dessert every after every dinner. I've had fika every day, like little ways of just consuming sugar. Uh, left and right, and I haven't even had that urge to not do it because it's sort of been my like I'm self-medicating with cinnamon buns, <laughs> basically. So of course I was extra miserable when we were in France because there was nothing vegan available at all, like nothing. So you know I didn't have I didn't have any sugar like when I was in when I was in France because there was none available. And then we got back to Stockholm and there was vegan sweets and vegan treats and you know all over the place. And then of course like I slipped back into that place because I was feeling like shit, but I didn't know what to do with my feelings. Really. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. Remember the 90s? I was just a kid in Sweden, and the best day of the week was the day I was allowed to eat Cocoa Puffs for breakfast. This was also the time of my life when I cut my own bangs, I always wore my favorite pink rain boots, and I looked like a total dork. Well, I'm glad I grew out of these things, but one thing I never grew out of was drinking oat milk. Even though oat milk might seem like a new trend, the people at Oatly have been making oat milk in Sweden since the 90s, long enough for them to remember just how uncool it was at the time to make oat milk. But still, I always drank it growing up. Yes, oat milk isn't really new or the next big thing. It's more like a boring old thing from the 90s that was never hip or trendy, but it sort of feels like it's new, maybe because it's dairy-free, nut-free, sustainable, and just got to the US from Sweden for the very first time. So if you're looking for something hip and trendy, oat milk probably won't do it for you. But if you're looking for a simple and boring milk alternative that tastes really good and has been around since I was a young girl with bad hair, oat milk might just blow your mind. For more details about really hip but really delicious oat milk go to oatly.com that's o-a-t-l-y.com and look for oatly at your local supermarket or your favorite coffee shop i'm so grateful i am not gonna drag my husband into this because he didn't have the same experience as i but i'm so grateful i had a shitty trip <laughs> i really 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 am because it i would have never i mean in a million years would i have ever left my baby and my husband on another continent to go be in my house by myself for almost a week. <laughs> I mean, just saying that, thats it's so totally insane what I'm doing right now. Like, maybe it shouldn't be insane. Maybe this should be more of a normal thing. But I mean, this would have never had happened. I would have needed like a super excuse to 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 leave her and also to leave him. I mean, it's, it's, it's totally, it's, it's insane. But for every day that's passed now, <laughs> these these six days every day of me just you know floating like a little butterfly from thing to thing and doing very little and just cooking and swimming and uh, yoga and I went for a run once and you know it's just it's been so much nothing but it's been everything and for every day that's passed I've felt my being settle a little bit more like there's this piece inside of me that's been kind of high strung almost like floating above my body a little bit um, that I'm able to pull back in in, in moments, you know, of, of like intense yoga practice or when I'm in serious meditation or when I'm in the bathtub. Like I have these ways, these tools, of course, that I use for self-care. But those moments of of feeling like I'm anchoring back into myself, they're always really brief because then I step out of them and I don't take that practice with me. I don't live that practice of self-care. I don't. And that's a really hard truth. <laughs> I teach the practice of self-care. I'm not living the practice of self-care. At least I have not been since I became a mom. And I'm wondering now about that, that balance of it all. And if this is how, how motherhood is so beautifully and imperfectly and perfectly designed, that it's supposed to be this way. Because going from maidenhood to motherhood, I mean, that, that transition, it's, it's, it's out of this world. I mean, it, it, it truly is. And yeah, there's a, a physical change that happens in our body where we have to we have to physically make space for this new being, right? So the fact that our 
inner organs, like our internal organs get all shoved up our necks. <laughs> I mean, it's totally crazy. If you haven't, if you haven't watched one of those um, little videos of what happens inside of a woman's body, where her internal organs go to make space for the baby, it's crazy. I mean, that shit is like supernatural. It's insane. Like that has to happen. We have to learn how to expand our skin stretches. And along with this rearranging of our insides, there is also an emotional and an energetic rearranging of our entire lives because we're sort of leaving behind, um, and maybe it's not permanent, but leaving behind for a while the old self. Okay, like this is me as as a yes, maidenhood, like it stays back and now I enter and transform into this new role of the mother and it requires this totally different this whole totally different life. And then we have the baby (laughs) and it changes our lives because yes, of course it does. And all of a sudden there's this being that we love so much. I mean, we can't even put it into words. We love this tiny little being so much and nothing else really matters for a while. At least that, I mean, I felt that way in the beginning, like, like every, I just kind of drowned in her. The first three months were just, oh my God, like I, I I can't even remember. (laughs) A lot of it because really I just disappeared into her and into my love for her and then as she's grown older it's gotten easier and easier and then she's growing into her own self and you know we stop breastfeeding it's like there's there's more independence there and she's a very independent baby as well and as she runs around she has her own personality I mean there's definitely like she's her own glorious amazing human being but still you know I have been very very lost in her for this for all this time and it hasn't been a negative thing I mean it hasn't been a negative I want to really stress that it's been the most beautiful time of my life and I'm pretty sure that that's what motherhood is supposed to be you know I've been I've been very very lost in her and it's been a glorious experience and now that I've had this space for myself because now I mean she's 15 months she's going to be 16 months soon I mean she's a she's a she's not a baby anymore she's she's a toddler she's she's growing so fast and having this time for myself now is the, really the first time in, in all of this time that I've realized that maybe there's a way where I can exist as her mother and love her just as much as I already do and take care of her just as well as I already am, but without losing all of myself. I get a little goosebumps saying this and I, I feel myself tearing up because I know it's true. And I think sometimes there's a little bit of a almost like a glorification of this super mom, you know, like we're supposed to lose ourselves in our kids. We're supposed to, you know, really like live through them and be everything for them and put their needs above our own and all of this stuff. And I'm wondering, is is that really how it's supposed to be? Is there a space where I can be Lea Luna's mom, but where I can also be Rachel and not just be Lea Luna's mom? I mean, I'm, I'm starting to think that absolutely hell fucking yes (laughs) there is a way for that and that's going to require I mean it's going to require some life changes for me in terms of how I kind of how I take care of myself on a day-to-day basis but also more than anything I think a little bit of a different looking right so uh, the idea of, of you know we can't pour from an empty cup like of course that's true so the, the guilt that I feel normally every time I leave her, because that's real. Uh, and I talk to my husband about this a lot. He doesn't feel that. I mean, he'll go, like every Sunday, he goes biking for eight hours. Uh, not one be- inch of his being feels guilty that he's left the baby, like he's left the baby behind and he should be with the baby, he shouldn't be biking. You know, if I go take time for myself, if I go to yoga, I go see a friend, I feel guilty almost the entire time. I mean, truly. Um, sometimes like I'll have a really busy work day and I get home super late after tons of meetings and the baby's already sleeping and I know like, okay, I'm going to only going to sleep four or five hours now. Like I really need to sleep in, in the morning. And my husband is like, of course, no problem. Like I got the baby all good, you know, like really stoked about it. And then she wakes up at seven in the morning and I slept four or five hours and I know like, oh, I could really use like another few hours. But then I hear her talking and like, there's this combination of me. Like I really want to be with her all the time. I mean, everything is better when she's around. I want to be with her. I want to be the one to pick her up in the morning from her crib. Like it's the best moment. I love that. And also if I sleep in, uh, there's a little bit of guilt there. (laughs) I mean, definitely there's enough guilt there to get me out of bed every single time. (laughs) I mean, that's just, that's just a hard, hard fact. And maybe not every mom feels this way. Maybe I'm, you know, alone or very specific in, in my, 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 you know, guilt that I feel, but it's definitely there. 
So what it also does is it sort of inhibits my ability to really enjoy myself when I'm away and also to give myself the space to really, really take care of myself in a loving way because I have that voice that's like, I should be with the baby. I should be with the baby. I should be with the baby all the time. And I, I don't know why that voice is there. I mean, I'm thinking that voice has been there. It's like this sort of judgmental voice telling me I need to be better than who I already am. I need to do better all the time. I could look better. I could be thinner. I could be more good looking. I could be more successful. I could work harder. I could be a better wife, blah, blah, blah. list is endless. And of course, now that motherhood is the most important thing for me, then yeah, that judgmental voice has followed me into motherhood saying, um, maybe I'm not a good enough mother. Right? So I should feel guilty if I take time for myself or if I uh, do things that aren't around her. <laughs> and, and I know that that voice is not speaking truth. I mean, I a thousand percent know that that voice is not a truthful voice. Doesn't make it any easier, though, to hear it all the time. Um, and also, I mean, that it's not like she's suffering when I'm not there. She has a dad that literally, I mean, our parenting, like we're 50-50 here. We're super equal. First few months when she was breastfeeding around the clock, of course, it was, it was different then. But I mean, since she was at least, yeah, six months old, it's been 50-50. Like she has a dad that's as present as her mom. Uh, they have a blast together. Like it's just, yeah, it, it, there shouldn't really be any differentiation b between us, uh, between as mother and father at all. And she's so cared for with him. So it's not like she's suffering. There's nothing lesser than going on in her life at all. So how do I rid myself of this guilt Or maybe it's not so much thinking that I have to suddenly turn off this judgmental voice because I know it's there. But maybe how can I invite enough space in my life to care for myself in a really genuine way so that that voice doesn't become too loud? I think that's, that's really the key. <laughs> really, really, truly is the key. And in all this time now where every day I've felt a little more calm, every day I've felt a little more at peace, every day I've, I've, I find myself like talking to myself around the house, <laughs> like I'm telling myself little jokes, cracking up at stuff. <laughs> I just, like everything feels easy. Things that I thought were problems, like work-related stuff have felt really easygoing, like everything's going to work out. I don't even, I don't even worry about it. You know, I haven't been obsessing about the baby at all. Actually, I haven't been thinking about the baby and Dennis. I've really tried to practice out of sight, out of mind, because I realized if I'm going to sit and FaceTime them all day, this is not going to work. So I've really been, really been focused on just being here with myself. And for every day, it's been, it's been a little bit easier and I can sense myself lightening up Uh, and then I start gravitating for different things. Like, I don't know, like I've been kind of, I, I rearranged my closet a little bit and uh, kind of like organized some stuff and not because it's like work, but because I love to do those kinds of things. And I've been wearing old clothes, like clothes that I haven't worn since like, yeah, years ago. Uh, I've been like, I don't know, I've been sort of channeling Rachel pre-baby, <laughs> the old Rachel, so to speak. Um, and it's really It's been really quite amazing. I don't know what to tell you. Like just putting on like a pair of shoes that I haven't worn since, you know, maybe I was like 21 or 20 years old living in the jungle or it's helped me energetically to pull that carefree. Oh, that's my dog. Yeah, to bring that carefree version of myself forward, that version of of me where, where really where I was very anchored in, in who I was. And yeah, it was a more selfish version of me. It was a more immature version of me. I don't want to go back to that version of me, like at all. Um, I mean, the learnings and the growth that I've had since becoming a mom has been absolutely amazing. I wouldn't trade this time for anything. I'm not saying I want to go back to being who I was many years ago. But there was a part of me then that was very, very, very anchored and felt very at home in my own body. And that always really knew, like I knew what I wanted. I knew what I needed to feel good. And I, and I made sure that I took care of that and I cared for myself. And there is a part of that old Rachel that I really want to keep with me. I mean, for the rest of my life, no matter what I go through, no matter what responsibilities I take on, and no matter how much I love my family. Really, I want to I arrive at a place where I can take care of myself and where that's a natural thing and not hard. And where I can give myself enough space to, to keep listening to my own wants and needs. Because also I know this is going to make me an even better mom. <laughs> I mean... Hell yes, for sure. I'm going to be more patient, more joyful. It's, it's, it's so clear to me that, I mean, the best thing I can do for my family is to 
give myself what I need and to take care of myself in the best possible way. I mean, that's, that's, it sounds like it should be a very easy thing to arrive at, like a really easy epiphany to have. And people have told me this over and over, you know, but it's not going to click until it clicks and it's not going to click until it's time. And my time was really, was now. So I even had people on on uh, on Instagram when I was sharing, like I've been sharing yoga videos the way I used to do back in the day that I just never give myself time for anymore, but I love doing that. Um, and people have said, said like, oh, this is such a retro feeling. Like I feel like it's the old yoga girl that I'm watching. And I had people write me that my, like I, like I, I don't, my face looks smoother and like I look younger all of a sudden. <laughs> and it's really funny because I feel younger. Like I really, really, really do. I feel, I feel really beautiful right now. I feel really at home in my skin. I feel, I feel great. I really, I really do feel great. <laughs> you are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. If I'm going to put on a bra, it has to be a super bra. Well, luckily, we can have it all, ladies. I found a bra that I look and feel amazing in from a company that focuses on realistic fit and comfort for women. The company is called Third Love. Third Love took thousands of real women's measurements to create the perfect bra. While most old school brands only carry 15 sizes, Third Love is the industry leader offering an incredible 70 sizes with cups from eight to age, including exclusive half cup sizes. They knew it just made sense. 50% of women fall in between standard cup sizes. When it comes to a perfect fit, size and shape are both important. So Third Love helps you identify your breast shape to find styles that fit your body. Take their Fit Finder quiz right now and in just 60 seconds, your order can be placed and on its way to your house. It's actually fun and totally beats those awkward fitting room experiences. But Third Love knows the perfect bra goes beyond the perfect fit. Expertly designed with ultra soft fabrics, lightweight memory foam cups, straps that won't slip, and tagless labels to avoid itching, Third Love has solved all those pesky problems women experience when wearing a bra. Try a Third Love bra today and you might even forget that you're wearing it. If you don't agree, returns and exchanges are always easy and free. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra out there for everyone. So right now they are offering my listeners 15% off of your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash heart right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off of your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash heart for 15% off today. Now it's it's day six of all of this. And of course, I mean, there's been some, I mean, not a lot of lows. Like I had one or two moments where I was really missing the baby and really missing Dennis and but not really. I mean, it's been, I thought I would have way more of an emotional roller coaster being alone, but it's been pretty steadily awesome. Uh, and, and even I think yesterday I told a friend, I'm like, I'm feeling so good right now. Like, what if I don't like want them to come back? <laughs> what if this is my great escape <laughs> into aloneness forever? But no, of course, that's not the case. As soon as I start directing attention back to family, that longing, it becomes more and more overwhelming, you know? So this is uh, this is definitely like a like a brief a brief little intermission in my life but yes this morning uh, we had it's Tuesday today and we have dynamic meditations at Island Yoga on Tuesdays uh, if you're ever in Aruba and you want to join feel free it's free no, free of cost completely everyone can join um, and for the dynamic meditation I was leading it and I was really excited about it um, because we haven't done them in a while and I've been away and that normal feeling that I have when I go to a dynamic meditation to release emotion is like, oh, what am I really ready to release? And my past meditations have all been uh, me releasing anger or sadness or frustration. Like I've had a lot of low emotion that's, that I've been able to channel and release through uh, through the dynamic, which is awesome. And it's an awesome avenue to do that. But now, you know, I was driving to the studio and I'm like singing <laughs> and I'm listening to this awesome like Caribbean music that I love my windows are down everything is just so I'm, I'm feeling so high on everything that I was really thinking like how am I gonna even like is it possible to lead a dynamic meditation when you're so high on life like because I really I can't remember ever leading a meditation like that feeling like this so it's an interesting now that when I do the meditation am I going to be able to connect to any of those you know heavier emotions as well like we'll see um, so I get there, I park my car and we had quite a, a few people join and there was a lot of new people. I think we had at least eight or nine complete beginners that never had done it ever before. And then I immediately, I kind of switched out of that zone of like everything is easy and awesome. And I started getting like a little worried about the group um, because what happens, I mean, at dynamic meditation, I, I talk about them on the podcast now all the time. I feel like so many people are out there doing them, realizing how insane and wildly crazy and awesome it is. 
Um, but when it's a new group, because everyone is really fearful in the beginning and tentative, and when you get to the second phase of releasing emotion, catharsis, uh, it can be it can be really hard. It can be really, really hard. So a whole room full of people wearing blindfolds expressing themselves of whatever is there. One, it can be scary. It can be absolutely like a shock, like what the fuck is this? Um, and it can also be really hard to actually access those emotions. That's really, really common for beginners is it's, it's hard to feel anything. You know, we kind of have this expectation like, oh my God, I have to immediately feel something and release it. And then maybe there's just kind of like a shock and like, wait, what am I supposed to do here? So normally what we do with new groups is um, if I have assistants in the room, we'll kind of exaggerate a little bit. <laughs> Um, so like make a little more noise, yell a little louder, like really bring extra gusto kind of to the, to the whole thing. Um, because the energy of other people really helps you channel your own. So that's just something that I always do if I know I'm in a new group, but especially if I'm leading. So I had that mindset of already in the beginning when we started like, oh, okay, it's okay. I don't have to. I actually don't have to do all of this all the way because I'm more here for the, for the group. Right. So so we start um, and there's this music, musical component to a dynamic meditation. It's, the, it's five stages and the music changes every time. You never have to like change anything. It's just this progressive kind of playlist that's one song sort of. Um, but my big fear has always been, and this is like, I can't explain this. And it's, it's, very, it's very hard to explain, but I have a huge fear around something happening to the music in the midst of a very emotional moment in a dynamic um, similar of course the same when I'm teaching yoga like imagine anyone who's a yoga teacher out there imagine you're teaching an amazing class and you spent the whole class kind of unraveling stuff and you know getting people really into their bodies and it's very intense and then you get to this very emotional place right at the very end and then imagine for a second like right as your shavasana song is about to come on like hip-hop starts <laughs> or you know like what if you're, imagine like your phone was on shuffle and the wrong music came. This might sound like, like who gives a shit? Like that doesn't mean anything. To me, I am um, the master of ambiance and, uh, you know, evoking emotion is sort of what I do. Like that's what everything I do is centered around. So ruining a really emotional moment by something as stupid as like having a phone on shuffle. Like that's just, it would never in a million years happen to me. And I'm always really cautious about those things. I'm very, very invested in, uh, in, in the vibration of the room and music has so much to do with that. And I've always had it in the back of my mind since we started leading them at the studio, the dynamics, because there's a progression to the music. So it, it has to be stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four, stage five. Like it cannot be wrong. So since we started, I tell everyone, make sure the phone is not on shuffle. Make sure the phone is not on shuffle. Make sure airplane mode is on. Make sure like test the music. Make sure it's good because of the emotional component. It's so important that everything works so that people can have this optimal experience of really following the energy of the whole group. So it's always just been like this thing at the back of my mind. So as we start today and I'm already like, okay, you know, I'm, I know I'm not going to be all the way in it for the catharsis because I'm more focused on the group. Uh, and that's always what I do every single time. And then we finish the first phase, which is the breathing phase. And then the song switches and it's the wrong fucking song. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I told the girls at the studio like twice, like make sure that everything is set. <sighs> and I don't know what happened if it was like a malfunctioning of the phone or whatever, but suddenly it's like the wrong part of the meditation is on. And of course it's very confusing. And then there's like, some people are like crying. Some people are, are screaming something like there's definitely emotion already happening. And then the music is fucked. So I'm like, Oh my God. And I like run over to the music station and I'm like going back to the, where it's supposed to be. And then the app like implodes, you know, the way iPhone does. If like, it's just a bug, I guess the phone needs to be updated or something. It's an, a studio phone that we have and everything shuts off and the music dies. And of course, everything that's going on in the room, like the whole room is like, you know, massive confusion, like, cause you're in your process <laughs> and then the outside just, it was just, it was just not good. Um, and anyway, and then I like fix it really quickly and everything's fine. And it was, I mean, it was like five or 10 seconds. It was very brief. I fixed it really quickly, made sure everything was good. And then the meditation just continued and it's an hour meditation. So 10 second, like flaw, it's not really a big deal, but what happened in my mind for the rest of this meditation was like, I was so focused on the music. I was so focused on everything like working over there. And then I was trying to like raise the energy of the room, make sure everything was working. And 
there's a saying that goes, how you move through dynamic is how you move through life. <laughs> and as I was kind of busy with all these things, but also kind of kind of doing the thing that the, the steps of the meditation, but kind of faking it because my mind was completely elsewhere. Like I'm physically doing the stuff, but like I'm not really present with it because of all these things. And then it hits me, you know, like how you, you move through meditation, dynamic meditation is how you move through life. And I'm like, how am I moving through this meditation right now? Like, what am I doing right now? First of all, before I even got here, I'm so focused on the other people in the room, people I haven't even met, some of them. I mean, I'm so focused on the group that I've already decided that I'm not going to have this full experience because I'm going to make sure that they have a really good experience. Like I've already decided that in the car. And that's what I do every time I lead one. And leading one, um, you know, doesn't mean, especially when you have a small group, doesn't mean that you don't participate like at all. Like it's just giving a little run through in the beginning and then, you know, we're all in it together. But I do that when I lead them. I, I, I tell myself like, no, everyone else is more important. And then I use that as an excuse to check out from myself and then what happened yeah like this little fear of like a musical malfunction happened and it gave me sort of this another excuse to to really be there and be present there to make sure everyone else is going with the flow and that they are feeling and are they okay and all this stuff so that I wasn't present with myself and I wasn't in my body there and is that how I move through life <laughs> yes <laughs> That is how I move through life. And it's also why I have much prefer taking a dynamic meditation led by someone else. I mean, really, like it, it's those are the ones where I really have transformative experiences. But when I'm the one leading or the ones at the studio, I don't because I'm so preoccupied with how everybody else is doing. And is that how I walk through life? Yes, it is how I walk through life. It's how I walk through life every damn day of my whole entire fucking life. I wake up in the morning and I wonder, how is everybody else doing? <laughs> It's just, it's just, it's just, it's, it's not how I was raised, but it, it's how I was brought up. There's a difference between those two things. And this, this realization, and it was a really big one. And I started thinking about it. Okay. How often do I leave myself so that I can show up for someone else? How often do I step out of my needs, you know, and my real genuine, genuine, like heart needs, um, because I deem someone else's heart needs more important. I mean, all the time. I really, I really do this all the time. And motherhood has become this sort of <laughs> super manifestation of this thing that I do where I don't give myself the love that I actually need, <laughs> not deserve. You know, that saying, I say also this all the time, we accept the love we think we deserve. Well, I've been under the impression that I don't deserve a whole lot, so I don't invite a whole lot of it into my life. And it's this unfamiliar feeling. It's easy for me to be the fixer and the caretaker because it's how I was brought up. And I had that epiphany today alongside with, and of course, all of this is so connected, mega connected. Um, yesterday, my mom called me and she's, she's been in a, in a spiritual retreat, kind of this, I mean, where you also do this type of meditation, like this, this sort of group meditational holistic therapy thing that we do. Um, and she was driving back and she, and she said, oh, and this one that she did this was about family and family constellations. And on the phone, she's like, how are you doing? How has this alone time been? And, you know, I had a big epiphany when I was at this retreat just now. Uh, and she was assisting it, not participating. And I said, what was it? She says, well, in our family, you know, you really took on the role of the mother. <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, is this news to you? <laughs> <laughs> that in our role of mother-daughter, like I am the mother, not just in the mother-daughter constellation, but in the whole family, like, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this has been like very, very, I mean, crystal clear for me for a very long time that because of the circumstances that we had when I was little, my mom was depressed. She was suicidal. She tried to commit suicide a bunch of times. People were dying left and right. There was divorces left and right, like abuse. I mean, there was a whole lot of shit going on since I was born, basically. I mean, I've known a lot of chaos and trauma and separation since I was born. Um, and my mom has always been very fragile. I mean, very, very, very. She's been like this little baby bird that always needs caring. Not anymore. Like now she, she takes care of herself and our relationship is really good. And we worked through a lot, but not everything. Um, but yes, like I, since I, since as long as I can remember, I have been the mom, the caretaker, the fixer, the one who's looking after everyone. And because I was brought up that way or life gave me those cards when I was little, that's the way I am as a person. Like I, it's just what I know, right? It's how I function. It's not natural to me to wake up in the morning and immediately go, what does Rachel truly need today? How can I nourish myself in the best possible way? Because I'm so important and I'm so worthy of all of this. No, <laughs> you 
you know, I, I fulfill myself and my own needs by taking care of other people. And then I'm kind of under this disguise of, well, that's just who I am. Like I feel good when I'm helping others. Um, I'm, it's just my personality. Like I love supporting other people on their healing path. Like it's why I became a yoga teacher. It's why I do the work that I do. Like it's just part of my nature. It is part of my nature, but also not. <laughs> also not. Like there is a reason that I became this person who fixes and who cares for and who, who takes care of. And it's okay to be that person. I mean, it, it's a beautiful piece of me and, and I, I, I love doing this sort of work. It's always going to be what I do, but there is a way for me to exist in that role and take care of myself first, a hundred thousand percent. It might actually be a prerequisite for me to exist in the other role and to give it my all and to give it my best is to first direct all of that love and all of that care toward myself. And this week has brought me that epiphany like smack in the face, like, holy shit, you know, and I can tell myself, you know, you can tell yourself something a hundred thousand times. It's not going to land until really, it really lands. And my entire being is just kind of <laughs> screaming this at me now, not screaming. It's like singing it to me right now, because that's, that's, that's the beautiful space I'm in. You are listening to From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. My family and I are back in Aruba and new home renovation projects are underway. It's always so much easier for me to get work done in an organized, tidy and beautiful living space. And if you feel the same way as I do, you can design the perfect living space too with Havenly. Havenly is a super easy, no hassle way to design the perfect space in your home on any budget. Starting at just $79 per room, you can do it too. Your first step is to take the totally free style quiz that pairs you with a designer that vibes with your unique style. Since Havenly has over 100 real professional interior designers on their team, your match is already out there waiting for you. Next, you share your floor plan and your room dimensions with your designer by filling out your room profile. They will quickly come back to you with an initial set of ideas to design the living space of your dreams. It's as easy as that. Havenly does all the work for you. Incorporate nostalgic pieces you already own and love or buy new items directly through Havenly's platform with access to hundreds of retailers and guaranteed best prices for my listeners in the US. Your ordering concierge will purchase all your pieces and keep a close eye on your orders to ensure everything gets to you with no hassle. Your happiness is 100% guaranteed because everyone deserves a beautiful living space. Turn your Pinterest board into reality. Try Havenly today by visiting havenly.com slash yoga girl and get 25% off of your design package. That's H-A-V-E-N-L-Y.com slash yoga girl for 25% off of your design package. Havenly.com slash yoga girl. I miss my family so much. I mean, oh, I, I can barely let myself think of them because I'm going to cry because I miss them so much. And I'm so excited for this new phase in in our lives, my, this new face for me as a mom, as a wife, as a boss, as a sister, as a friend, as a daughter, all of this, because I really feel like I found something brand new. Like I found, I, I feel like I found a little, a little golden key. Like, wait, what? <laughs> I can actually feel this good. And honestly, it's not even that hard. And you know, if you're resonating with what I'm saying now, like if there's a part of you that's like longing for this, so many people wrote me over the week, oh, I wish I could do that. I'm just not ready yet. You know, I'm just not ready yet. No, I could never, I, I couldn't do, I wish I could, but I just, I could never do that. I, I would not have made this decision by myself. You know, I was really forced to it because I was feeling super shitty. Um, but yes, you can. <laughs> and yes, I can. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't have to be six complete days of nothingness. If you can manifest that and you have resources around you, not everybody does. If you do, use them. Really. I mean, if you do, many, many, many of you listening do. You have parents, you have babysitters, you have a spouse, a husband, a wife, whatever. You have someone in your life that can offload you for a second. And maybe it's not the baby. Maybe it's something else you need space for, right? But specifically moms out there listening, if you have resources, use them. Because that's also part of my my problem. Like I don't use the help that's around me as much as I could at all. And I kind of tell myself like, I'm the only one who can do this. And I do that with everything. Like I'm the best at all of this. You know, I want to control everything. No one else can do what I do. And it's just not plain true. It's just not at all. There's plenty of people that can do what I do. There's plenty of people in my life that can take care of my baby as well as I do. And if you have resources, use them. Carve out some time for you to be alone. And if you can swing <laughs> six days, 
the way I just swung it, fucking go ahead. (laughs) I mean, it's going to be terrifying. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be like, oh my God, there's no way. Do it anyway. If you can do a weekend, do it. If you can do one day, you can. I mean, seriously, you can. You can do one day. And not that you have to do this all the time and like, oh my God, every month I'm going to have a week off. Like, okay, clearly not. That's, that's not how it goes. But I think the catalyst for this major change to integrate it in a really real way in our day-to-day lives, we need a little bit more to start, right? You need to have like a chunk of time and space to sit and be with you to anchor back in that person, not just the person you were before baby or before stress or before whatever it is that's keeping you from that natural sense of self-care. You need to anchor back to that somehow. And, you know, a 60-minute yoga class or massage, like it's it's probably not going to cut it. So at least a whole day, like a day and night, like a weekend, like something, something, something. Carve out this space. If you don't have the resources, and not everybody does, that's okay. There's other ways that you can arrive at that place, but it's going to require a different looking and it's going to require a little bit of a little bit of structure so what I have decided in terms of structure now I'm actually about to go pick up my family in 20 minutes <laughs> I'm gonna leave the house oh my god so what I've decided now and this is like a, a, a very very important step for me and I and I wouldn't have arrived at this. It's going to sound simple. Some of you are like, well, maybe you'll be like, oh, well, I do that every day. Um, for me, every single morning, because I'm used to staying up really late and I finish my work really late. I spend time with my husband until late. Um, like we're kind of, I don't know if we're night owls, but you know, I'll usually go to bed maybe around midnight, like on a normal day. Uh, when the baby wakes up in the morning, like that's what wakes me up every day. And I love that. Like I have loved that. Um, like I wake up with her like cooing and now she says, mama, papa, like she wants to get picked up. Like I wake up with a baby, uh, every day. Uh, but there is a, a way for me to, to get up an hour, two hours, three hours. <laughs> there is a way for me to get up way before she wakes up and make sure, like really, like unwaveringly make sure that every single day, no matter of circumstance, because yeah, having Dennis take the baby in the morning, like it's not going to work the same because when she's around, I want to be with her or that little guilty voice comes. But if I wake up every morning, one or two hours before, I will have space for me to sit and be alone and no one else is around. I mean, seriously, no. And if I want to watch the sunrise, I'll watch the sunrise. I can practice. I can meditate. I can make my cup of coffee and just sit there and stare at it. <laughs> I can journal. I can read. What, whatever it is that's actually nourishing from my heart and my soul, like really. So it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be emails and getting work done. It's not going to be any of those things. You know, maybe it's a walk, like whatever, whatever works for me as me time completely. Um, and I need to make sure that that shit happens first thing in the morning or it's not gonna. Because how many times have I said, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to have this evening off. or I'm going to take this time now for this afternoon, la la la. And it's just, it's just, you know, shit happens, life happens. And then it doesn't become that. Um, and for that to happen, for me to be able to wake up at five, if that's what I want to do, um, I'm going to have to go to bed earlier and I'm going to have to carve some things out. I'm going to have to change the structure of my day a little bit to make sure that I'm not working late a lot, that I don't take meetings too late. Um, maybe it's net less, less Netflix with my husband, um, and really getting super serious about that. And I am so serious about that. If I can have two more, two hours every single morning, I mean, it might just completely change my life. <laughs> I feel like my life has already changed, but I want to keep this feeling of space. I want to keep it. I don't want to lose it. And I'm, I'm really hoping, like I'm a little nervous now, like what's going to happen when we dive back into stuff. But this sense of grounding, the sense of calm, it happens easier for me when I'm at home. So that's where I should be a lot of the time, right? And just really make space that what I need to have happen every day for this to work, like I, I can't put myself, I can't put that at the bottom of the list anymore. I can't. It has to be more important than work, more important than growing the business, more important than more important than baby and husband. And that's sometimes really hard. But that's what it is. Hell motherfucking yes. <laughs> so I'm gonna actually I don't know more than that. You know, I'm gonna make sure that I have 
my hours before everything else. And I love sleeping in. Oh my God, I love sleeping. So this is going to be a, a stretch for me. Like I know that, um, but it's important enough that I need to make this happen. Um, there's going to be other changes that I make in my day to day, but I, I haven't quite hundred percent anchored into exactly what that will look like. And it's going to happen now that I'm, that I'm back with, with Dennis and Leah Luna. But I, I, I fucking vow, like I'm, I'm ready to, to just, to, to make a vow, like make a promise to the whole world right now. I will never fucking leave myself again. I, I, I fucking won't. I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't. I am, I'm Rachel <laughs> and I'm also mom and wife and daughter and boss. But most of all, I'm, I'm Rachel and I'm, and I'm here to stay. <laughs> so, and yeah, that made me cry. <laughs> so on that note, Rachel is going to go pick up her husband and her baby from the airport. They land in in 15 minutes. And uh, oh, oh my God, I'm so excited to squeeze them and hug them. I can't even explain. And I'm so grateful. Oh, I want to I wanna close by sending like a shout out, a full on just love to my husband. <laughs> my beautiful, 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 sweet, kind-hearted, loving, amazing husband, like saint of a man, um, for not just providing me with a space to do this and opportunity to do this, but to recognizing that I needed this in the first place for that, because I didn't even know I needed this for seeing me. Like he sees me when I don't even see myself. So Dennis, I love you so much. (laughs) I love you. I love you. I love you. And everyone listening, go squeeze, go squeeze your people. I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you have enjoyed this episode, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of them on rachelbraithen.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your podcast. And don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thanks to my sponsors, TransferWise, Oatly, Third Love, and Havenly. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.